0: Lift you high in the lowest valley
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our midweek service at Foothill Family Church. We are so glad that you could join us today. There's a new thing on Facebook called Watch Party, so go ahead and hit the share button below, but also start a watch party, I've been told. I have not been part of one yet, but make sure you invite me to that. That would be cool as well. So I'm done singing. I can jump on there with you. But a watch party so your friends can watch live. You guys can comment together. We love you. We miss you. We're looking forward to being together soon. Would you join us in worship tonight?
2: you i can do anything i can do all things because it's you who gives me strength nothing is impossible deep down I know that you're here with me and I know that you can do anything Sing out, I believe. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you. still stands Sing your praise again, Jesus, you're still. Promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness, still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me, you promise still stands.
1: Father, we praise you, that you never have failed us and you never will, God, that your word is unchanging and it does not fail. We thank you for this time together tonight of worship. Holy Spirit, speak to each one. We are open and attentive, God, moving this place tonight and in the homes all around this world to hear what you have to say. We love you, Father God. Give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Amen. Well, let's start in Romans chapter 12 tonight. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Folks, I want you to realize something. Paul, writing by the Holy Ghost, earlier in this uh, letter to the Romans, he talks about in chapter seven, particularly about the, the uh, conflict that he had between his flesh and his spirit. He talks about how that he was unable at one time in his life. I don't believe that was the case when he was writing. But at one time in his life, he was talking about how difficult he found the prospect of walking righteously before the Lord. He talked about his body wanting to do things that his spirit didn't want to do. He talked about his body not wanting to do things that he knew was right and was led by the Holy Ghost to do. So here's Paul telling us about who we are in Christ and he makes a a revealing statement or several revealing statements here in Romans chapter 12 the first thing that I want you to recognize out of this is that even though the new birth is the most powerful work of God being born again recreated in, in spirit is certainly The most, the greatest demonstration of God's power of anything that he's ever done. In chapter 12, he tells us that this new birth experience has absolutely no effect on our bodies or our minds. He leaves the responsibility as he's directed by the Holy Ghost. He leaves that responsibility up to us. Now let's read these two verses again. With that in mind, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This uh, phrase, reasonable service, is translated in most other translations as spiritual worship. You remember Jesus talking with the woman at the well of Samaria in John chapter 4. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We charismatics, those of us that believe in and and practice speaking with other tongues, think that worshiping in spirit is about singing in other tongues. But Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost that spiritual worship is you controlling your body through the exercise of your spirit. So he says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. He doesn't say God's going to do it for us. He says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto God and is the very definition of spiritual worship. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's saying that the new birth experience the born again experience does not affect the body unless you do something. He's saying that the born-again experience, being recreated in spirit, has no effect on the mind unless you do something. Now notice in verse 2, this renewing of the mind is a transformative work. This word translated transformed is literally the word that, uh, the root word from the Greek that we get our word metamorphosis or metamorphosize from. We all know that a certain type of caterpillar, puts himself in a cocoon, and comes out a different form. Comes out as a monarch butterfly. Well, that's the transformation example that the Bible is giving to us. He says, be not conformed to the world. In other words, don't act like the world acts. Now, he's talking about your thought life, so we should say it this way. Don't think like the world thinks. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Here's that transformation that takes place. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now notice the purpose for this. Notice what he said the result of being transformed by the renewing of your mind would be. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now that word prove is the word to determine by experience. It would be just as correct a translation to tra- to substitute the word experience there, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may experience what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, folks, God doesn't have three wills. He doesn't have a good will, an acceptable will, and a perfect will. He's saying that God's will is perfect, good, acceptable, and perfect, all in one. But notice even more specifically. He says the only way you're going to experience the will of God in your life is by, tra- be, by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look with me to verse 3. For I say unto you, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think. Notice he's talking about your thoughts. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now notice those words of himself. Those words are italicized, which means the translators uh, added them. They're not in the original text. Now, we certainly wouldn't disagree with the idea that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But that's not what he's saying here in this verse. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Notice that phrase, think soberly. The word sober... Um, I think every time in the in the New Testament the word sober is tr- the word uh, sober is used, it comes from a root word that means not moved by emotion. So when he's telling us a specific way to think, to think soberly, he's telling us to think not moved by our emotions, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. In other words, what we think is in line with our faith. What we think is in line with our faith. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. In the evil day or when evil attacks you and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now I want you to see something else here in verse uh, verse 11. He's told us to be strong in the Lord. He doesn't say a word about being strong in ourselves. But he says to be strong in the Lord by putting on the armor of God. The armor of God is that which will equip you and strengthen you and enable you to get through any and every adversity or test or trouble that the devil brings against you. Verse 11, put, you on, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This word wiles is really interesting. We, all, uh, we would think, and in most translations, it's translated deceitfulness or deceiving or something along that line. And we understand that that's certainly the way the devil operates. But where it says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, this word wiles literally means traveling over. It means traveling over. Now that doesn't make sense to us. No wonder the translators picked another word than that. But it's telling us that there's one road that the devil travels. There's only one road that the devil uses to try to trip you and me up. There's only one way that he has opportunity to use his influence to cause us to fail. One road one and only one road that he travels. Now, folks, if we were in a battle, if we were in the middle of a war between our country and another country, and we knew that there was only one way that the, our enemy, armies could come out against us, we don't have to protect everything else. We wouldn't have to protect other means and other methods and other ways for them to get to us. We would just have to concentrate on one thing to establish our defenses in one specific area, And then we could be assured of victory. That's the same thing this is telling us about the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the traveling over of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. This is the same list or a very similar list. To what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us we've been uh, given authority over Ephesians 1 tells us that Jesus was quickened in spirit raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places with his father at the right hand of the father and then it goes on to tell us and you has he quickened he made us alive when he made Jesus alive and he raised us up to be seated at the right hand of God the father along with Jesus we've been made joint heirs So we already have authority over these principalities and powers. This work of the devil that's described. But it does say we wrestle with them. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle with these principalities. We have authority. We have the right and I believe the responsibility to exercise that authority over the works of the devil and over all of his demon spirits and demon activity but it's a wrestling. In other words, they're struggling against us and we're struggling against them. Thank God we have the authority to win. Look with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Knowing that the devil uses one and only one road, knowing that we wrestle against not against flesh and blood but against principalities and these powers that we have authority over. Notice now beginning in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural or physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, folks, Paul wrote all three of the letters that contain the passages that we've read from tonight. Paul wrote the letter to the the Romans. He wrote the letter to the Ephesians. He writes this letter to the Corinthians. And so the things that he's saying... He's not speaking in a vacuum. These truths are supposed to build on one another. He says things in a different way to one church than he says to another perhaps. But all of these things are the same truth. And so where we wrestle against flesh, uh, uh, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of the darkness of this world, where he tells us that the devil has one road that he travels over, that road of deceit to try to influence us, He's telling us how to defeat how to defeat the defenses of the devil. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, we have spiritual weapons, not natural weapons. We have spiritual weapons, not physical weapons. And those weapons, if used correctly, will pull down the devil's strongholds. Now, what are those devils? What are the things that make up the devil's strongholds? I know there was uh, uh, some years ago there was a certain ministry that was emphasizing prayer, and that's good. Prayer is always good. But one of the things that they began to do, and they went from city to city and uh, big crowds, and everybody was on board, and it was just one of those things that uh, uh, gathered a lot of attention, I guess is the best way to say it. They would go into the cities, some of the major cities of the country, and they would pull down the devil's strongholds, according to their claims. They would bind the spirit of murder, they would bind other evil spirits, call them by name, and through their teaching identified that their work of prayer was going to cause these things to change or cease or whatever, but there were just as much murders after they finished praying as there were before. Crime was just as high after the fact as before. So all the things that they were claiming to do in pulling down strongholds, they didn't even realize where the stronghold of the devil is. Verse 3 again, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are those strongholds? Again, there's only one way the devil operates, one road he travels over. So if we can find out where that road is, We can put our defenses up at that one place and be assured of victory. We know there's a transformative work by having your mind renewed to the Word so that you think soberly, not moved by emotions, rather than think more highly than we ought to think. Where are those strongholds? Verse 5, casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. The word imagination means re- uh, reasonings. Casting down reasonings. There have been so many times where people have come to be prayed for, mostly at healing school, where they want me or somebody else to pray for their healing. And I'll always ask people what they're believing for. I'll always ask them, what scripture are you standing on? And during that discussion I get a lot of different answers some people don't really have anything specific that they're believing for or they're standing on others however do they know what they're asking for and they'll and depending on their answer their answer determines whether or not I'm able to pray because if they're believing for something or, or standing on something, that's contrary to the word there's no way that i can overcome that with my prayer in other words the way they've got it figured out and i've I've had people use that expression that phrase a lot of times i'll ask them what the bible says and depending on their answer sometimes they have an answer sometimes they don't but i've had people say well let me tell you how i've got it figured out well folks god doesn't care how you've got it figured out that's not what moves him Here where it says casting down imaginations, those are reasonings that we've allowed the devil to influence us to have. Those are thoughts, thought patterns in our mind that hinder us, that keep us out of the blessings of God rather than bring us into it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's what spiritual weapons are designed to do is to pull down these strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing. Remember, we just read in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, not move with emotion. Notice the way it's verse 5 says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, where do we gain the knowledge of God? through the word the word is the only way that we really know who God is it doesn't matter how we think things work what matters is what the Bible says is true but the devil knows that if he can get us thinking contrary to the word of God he knows that if he can get us to think or to reason in some way that contradicts the word of God then he can keep the word of God from being a power and a victory in our lives He can keep us from receiving or proving or experiencing the perfect will of God in our lives. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, the the Holy Ghost is telling us what we think is important what we think is important not how we reason things out that may be contrary to the word but the devil has established and set up strongholds in people's lives through their thought life we have to master our thought life if we're going to walk in the will of god certainly we want to present our bodies a living sacrifice that's a means of spiritual worship that is the means of spiritual worship And we certainly don't want to be conformed to the world. Now the conforming to the world that it's talking about is thinking like the world thinks. But instead of being conformed to the world, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that we can experience the will of God. Folks, if we don't think right, we're not going to experience God's will. If we don't think right, we're not going to receive from God what he has provided for us. If we don't think right, then we'll never walk in the perfect will of God. We found that the devil travels over one road. That road is the road of deceit. If he can deceive us from really seeing and and taking hold, grasping hold of what the word of God says has been done for us through the precious work of Jesus, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, then even though Jesus paid the price for everything that we might need in this world, the devil can keep us from receiving it can keep us from taking hold of it. And it's all a part of our thought life. The weapons of our warfare are not physical or natural, but spiritual and mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice that phrase, high thing. High things are a result of the work of the devil. In other words, the devil wants to come and influence us in any and every area so that we think something other than what the Bible says about that area. Because if we don't think right, we can't believe right. If we don't believe right, then we can't receive from God. So we're supposed to cast down these imaginations, these strongholds, these defenses that Satan has built up in our lives through ignorance on our part for the most part. He's built up these strongholds in our thought lives. And unless we bring those down, unless we cast those down. Now how do we cast down imaginations? We stop thinking the wrong thing and start thinking the right thing. We stop thinking whatever it was we were thinking that was influenced by the devil. And we start thinking the right thing, think in line with what the Bible says. And and that's the way we cast down these imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We probably should insert the word of God there. Everything that exalts itself against the word of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing. Another translation says, don't be anxious or worrisome about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Well, we all want that. We all want the peace of God to keep us steady. But notice verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So if we want the peace of God in verse 7, we're going to have to think on the things in verse 8. Let me show you an Old Testament reference to the same thing in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. A couple of things I want you to recognize. First of all, as I said, this confirms what Paul said by the Holy Ghost in Philippians chapter 4. If you want the peace of God, you're going to have to think on the things that verse 8 speaks of. Here it says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In other words, who has brought every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, somebody that has refused to allow themselves to think anything contrary to what god reveals to us in his word but then notice also it's a function or a characteristic of faith thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee because he trusts in thee because he trusts in thee thee. folks we're in the middle of a unique situation regarding our country and there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding some of the, the activities and things that are happening and what's going to happen when all this is over concerning the coronavirus and, and so forth. How are we going to restart the economy? What's going to happen when the, re- the economy is restarted? When is it going to take place? There's a lot of uncertainty that's taking place in the world around us. But one thing seems to be clear, and that is the media and the media's efforts are to create and maintain some kind of mass hysteria. And, folks, that's exactly what the devil does. They're operating according to the spirit of the world. Some of them, I I would hope, are sincere in their efforts. Others, perhaps, not so much. But the thing that creates turmoil and unrest is not the circumstance itself. It's not even the virus. More people have died this year from the flu, than they have from this coronavirus well why aren't they reporting that we don't have much more of a a worse flu season this year than we've had last year or any other years it's always pretty consistent and the numbers of death from those other strains of flu far outweigh And are much greater in number than than have been affected and expired because of the coronavirus. But it's the hysteria of the media. It's the voice of the spirit of the world, the prince of the power of the air. It's the voice that has brought uncertainty and brought a great degree of fear. Because people are thinking things contrary to the knowledge of God. Now, God said himself concerning Israel, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And in Ephesians chapter 6, where we looked at what Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When Paul says these things, when Paul is directed by the Holy Ghost to speak these things, he's talking about gaining knowledge having your loins girt about with truth. Well, the word of God is truth, and it's what reveals to us who we are in Christ and what belongs to us. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, the knowledge of the fact that we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus is the only way that we can put on that breastplate. He talks about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, we're not going to know about the peace outside of the word of God, and we've seen already that the peace of God is dependent on thinking the right things, thinking in line with what God's word says. He talks about taking the shield of faith that covers all the other pieces of the armor. Well, how do we develop that shield of faith? Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So without a knowledge of the word, there's no way we can put on the armor or put on the shield of faith or any of the other pieces of the armor for that matter. And each one of those Armor pieces that are identified, that correspond to the Roman soldiers' armor, which the people of that day were certainly well familiar with. All of those things are dependent on the Word of God. The spiritual weapons, not carnal weapons, not natural, not, not physical weapons, but the spiritual weapons that have been given to us, that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Even though those weapons have been given to us, they won't do us a bit of good unless we have knowledge through the Word of God, first of all, that we have them, and secondly, how to use them. It all comes from the Word. You remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4, the devil first tempted him with physical food. If you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus answered and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you can see that Jesus' mind was on the Word all the time. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So if man's going to live by faith, then he certainly has to live according to the knowledge of what God's Word says. And folks, that's what the renewed mind is. The renewed mind is not a a mind that's so saturated and filled with the Word of God that it knows every verse of Scripture in the Bible. The renewed mind is very simply... The mind that asks first in every situation no matter what happens no matter what things look like no matter how serious or severe something is the first question for the renewed mind is what does the word say about this what does the word say about this there's a contrast in the last days that the Bible identifies for us one of the things that it says and it's probably talking specifically about the tribulation toward the end of the tribulation And there are terrible, terrible things that come about on the earth after the church is gone, after the church has been caught up into the air. But one of the things that the Bible identifies as as the state of the world during the seven-year period of tribulation is that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. The contrast with that is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 about the condition of the world before the rapture. He said, "...in your patience possess you your souls." So on one hand you've got people that are separated from God whose hearts are failing them for fear and on the other hand you've got the church that may be experiencing the same circumstances but their souls are kept intact because they've developed patience. Because they've developed patience. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Folks the mind is the battleground of the devil. The mind is the battleground of the devil. Now you and me in and of ourselves are no match for the devil. But with the name of Jesus and the power of God's word. We are more than a match for the devil. Look with me over to to Joshua chapter 1. Here's a verse of scripture I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is taking over from Moses as the leader of the children of Israel. For the one specific and expressed purpose of taking possession of the promised land the previous generation had come to the very same place that these israelites are and they had failed to take the promised land because they were fearful they allowed the circumstances of the the people in the the, the cities with walls around them in the promised land the armies of the people that lived there they allowed those circumstances to cause them to fear and doubt And as a result, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But now the next generation, after that previous generation has all died off, now the next generation comes to the same place that they were before, 40 years before. And Joshua is about to lead them in. And God tells him the important thing for him to do, the way to carry himself, the way to handle himself. Joshua 1 verse 8. This is God talking to Joshua specifically. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, we would paraphrase that because we've got more than just the book of the law. We've got the whole Bible is the word of God. So the principle is this. This word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. Shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, folks, the way to bring down strongholds is to speak the word. And there's no better way to speak the word than here. That God, what God is talking about in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 now where he says this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth how do you keep something from departing from your mouth once you say something it's gone the only way you can keep it from departing out of your mouth is to keep saying it to speak it over and over and over again and the language the Hebrew language points that out to us this word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night The word meditate, or one meaning of the word meditate, is to mutter, to say to yourself over and over again. Well, clearly that's what God's telling Joshua. This word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Say it to yourself. Mutter it over and over and over again, day and night, for the purpose of observing to do according to all that's written therein. For then, after you get the word of God in your heart, after you get knowledge, gain knowledge of what God's word says. And refuse to let it go, but speak that word over and over and over again. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, folks, you couldn't very well have good success or make your way prosperous outside of speaking God's word. Because if you don't speak God's word, you're going to be conformed to the way of the world. You're going to be thinking and therefore speaking in line with what the world says and believes. In other words, that transformative process doesn't take place. But God's will is for us to be transformed. God's will is for us to be prosperous, make our way prosperous, and have good success. So he tells us how to do it. He tells us just exactly how to do it. I'm reminded of the scripture in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. He didn't say attend to the circumstances around you. He doesn't say attend to the difficulties in the world around us. He says, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Listen to what the word says first and foremost, not what somebody else is telling you. Not the fear mongering that's taking place in the world around us. Not the hysteria that bombards us day after day after day. But attend to the word. Incline your ear unto its sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes in other words see yourself with the answer God created man to think in pictures whatever word we say creates a picture or an image in our minds well if we're speaking God's word for example if we're confessing that healing belongs to us because Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we are healed if we're speaking that word of God then it creates an image on the inside of us of being healed if we speak healing then we see healing on the inside of us. Now remember, we're supposed to cast down imaginations, the strongholds that the enemy has brought. But just as the devil, through his deceitfulness, can influence us to have or to hold on to a wrong imagination or a wrong manner of thinking, speaking God's word will create a right imagination You'll be imagining or seeing things on the inside of you that are in line with God's Word, not contrary to it. You'll see yourself with the answer. And the more you see yourself with the answer, the more you speak what you believe. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, attend unto my words. Put the Word of God first place in your life. Think what God's Word says, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what we see or feel. Think God's Word. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Verse 22, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Folks, there's a discovery process of the Word of God, and it's the same transforming process that paul talked about in romans 12 god sure wants us to to succeed and to have good success he wants us to prosper and have good success or else he wouldn't tell us how to do it now that doesn't just mean financial success that means prosper in anything and everything that we do in life because the word has the answer for everything that we will encounter in on this earth and the word of god is a spiritual tool it's one of those weapons of warfare that enable us to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God wants us to speak his word. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, we having the same spirit of faith, talking about the same spirit of faith as God himself. Well, Jesus told us how the God kind of faith works, so that would certainly make sense. But Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith, as it is written we believed and therefore do we speak. We also believe and therefore speak. God has designed for us to have victory and experience victory, experience his will in every area of life by speaking the word of God, by talking God's word. And the more you say it, the more you confess the word, the more you meditate in the word by saying it over and over and over again, it builds something on your, in your heart that enables you to withstand all the work of the devil. I want you to see another couple of scriptures with me. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Speaking to the prophet Isaiah, God said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. The word dismayed is the word confused or confounded. It means to be broken down. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, Isaiah 54, verse 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. I want you to realize something, folks. If we're not afraid, the devil has no way to operate against us. Fear is the first line of attack that the enemy brings against us. You may remember the story of when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. It says, when they ate of the forbidden fruit and disobeyed God, they saw they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together. And then God comes down to speak with them in the cool of the day like he always had, and he calls out for Adam, where are you? Adam calls back, and he said, I hid myself because I was naked and I was afraid. The first thing that he identifies, the first emotion that's identified after the fall of man is fear. And notice how Adam allowed his fear to dictate his actions. Before he was always open and, and ready to see God when he came to speak with it. But, but his fear made him hide. His fear made him cover himself. In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression for or because thou shalt not fear. Fear. And from terror, you will be far from terror as well, for it shall not come near thee. Verse 17 goes on with this same thought. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Why? Because God's on our side. And because God is with us and he's provided victory for us in every area of life, we don't have to fear. Well, if we don't fear, then no weapon formed against us shall prosper. If we don't fear, but instead we think in line with what God's word says, then the devil's weapons fall harmlessly away. The fiery darts of the wicked are extinguished and fall to the wayside. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Folks, the key to beating this coronavirus or anything and everything else that the devil brings against us is to speak God's Word. The more we speak God's Word, the more we see ourselves with the answer that it promises. The more we see ourselves with the, with the answer, the more we speak the Word of God, the stronger we become in the Lord, and fear falls away. We don't have to worry about any plague coming nigh our dwelling because God's promise identifies for us that we'll be delivered From anything and everything that the devil has. What a mighty weapon the word of God is. And notice that's the weapon that Jesus used when the devil came against him. Jesus answered the three temptations with, it is written. His first thought went to what the Bible says. That was the renewed mind in action. It shows us a picture of what our renewed minds will look like too. Ask yourself in every situation, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's a matter of healing or whether it's just wanting to experience the peace of God, ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this? Because no matter what takes place in the world, no matter what happens around us, a thousand shall fall at our right hand and ten thousand at our left, but it shall not come nigh us. The more we think in line with God's word, the more we speak God's word, The freer and freer and freer we become. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Folks, thank God we're free. Let's pray and thank God for his freedom. Father, we bless you. We thank you so much that you have made us free by the precious blood of Jesus. You've given us spiritual weapons that include the name of Jesus and the Word of God. And we're not ashamed of that Word of God, Father, because we know that it is your power unto salvation, your power unto rescue, your power to be delivered, your power to be made safe, to be made whole, and to be made sound. Thank you, Father, that no matter what, the blood of Jesus has paid the price for sickness and disease for us. The blood that was shed when he was beaten in Pilate's court and took upon himself that awful beating, an awful punishment. The blood that was shed because of that beating has paid the price to set us free and to keep us free from sickness and disease. We thank you, Father, that no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. We thank you, Father, that no matter what the voice of the enemy says, no matter what threats he makes, we hide in your shadow. We run to you. We stand firm upon your word and refuse to think contrary to your word. But instead, we'll see ourselves with the words, the answer the word gives us. We'll see ourselves healthy and strong. We'll see ourselves prospering no matter what else is going on around us. We'll see ourselves as the righteousness of God. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for seeing us through in this. Thank you that your peace remains upon us because our mind is stayed on you. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for doing all of these things, for honoring your word, for being faithful to keep your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining with us. We hope you'll be back with us Sunday morning at 9 30.